0: Hello everybody. So today we'll be reading Acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 40 and I'll be reading from the ESV version. If you have your Bibles feel free to open up to Acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 40 So now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied to him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And a eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then the Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, She here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chair to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the reading of God's Word.
1: Thanks Richard. Uh, morning everybody. My name is Nathan. Uh, you usually would see me up here. I'm, I'm usually <laughs> leading worship but today I have the pre- pleasure of speaking to you guys uh, and uh, yeah thank you Richard for for reading our passage today. Um, so something that I oh I wanted to say this first um, Pastor Jeff is on sabbatical right now but if you didn't know today is actually his birthday so Uh, If you want to send him a quick text or something, I think he would appreciate that. Um, Just don't tell him that I told you to do that. Um, Great. So I wanted to talk to us a little bit about Acts and kind of what we as believers, or even as non-believers, should think about scripture, uh, about the Bible. So before I talk about that, I wanted us to kind of get our minds thinking about something that we are passionate about or something that we love. Uh, so, that could be something like a certain topic or hobby or an activity. Uh, you know, something like TV, music, uh, cooking, cars, fashion, uh, if you're into, like, plants and stuff. I, Katie and I, we like having plants, but we're terrible at keeping them, they all die. Um, if you're into politics or video games or whatever, What is something that you are passionate about? Just have that kind of in the back of your mind. For me, it's photography. If you've been to my house, you will know that I have a lot of cameras, like more cameras than I'm willing to tell you how many I have. I have like cases of cameras. Most of them are old film cameras, uh, which most of them actually still work. But it's something that I've actually really grown to love over the last about 20 years. I first got into photography. I bought. My first digital camera in the early 2000s, uh, it was the Sony and had a whopping 2 megapixels, but that was actually like state-of-the-art at the time. Uh, and since then, I've just grown and learned a lot about photography because I was passionate about it. And now, I actually like, love it so much that I get really excited when I have an opportunity to share with others about the same passion as I do, so if somebody is like, "Oh, I want to learn like how to use my DSLR or whatever kind of camera, I am like super eager to tell them about how to use it and like what to do with it um, yeah, and with film photography, uh, I actually they still make film I still shoot a lot of film, uh, I even develop and everything in my own basement um, so it's it takes up a lot of time, but it 's something that I really love doing so Uh, But when I think about photography, and for each of us thinking about what we're passionate about, one thing that is true of whatever we're passionate about is it's something that we are constantly wanting to learn more about. I'm always on different YouTube channels, photography related, or reading articles, or on subreddits, if you know what those are, about photography, because I'm constantly wanting to learn and grow. And like what I said, I'm excited about being able to share my passion with others. And as Christians, we should have that same passion when it comes to scripture. Because scripture is something that we should be passionate about because that is, uh, through scripture, we can really understand and grow in our relationship with Christ. And as a result of that, we should be passionate about also sharing the scriptures and really the gospel with those around us. So we're going to go into uh, Acts, which Richard just read for us, and see how we can actually think about this passage and think about what it means for us as Christians or as non-Christians uh, when it comes to our perspective and our thoughts on Scripture and how much we should be studying it and why we should study it. So before I go any further, let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this morning that we can come together to be able to worship, to be able to learn from your word, to be able to sing you praises, uh, to be able to fellowship with one another, Lord. Um, I pray that you allow me to be able to not speak my own words, but to speak yours. We pray that we be able to really value scripture, that we can value your word, that we can deepen our relationship uh, with you and with each other, Lord. So we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are in Acts 8. We're kind of, I'm going to give us a little bit of context because it's important for us to know what is actually going on before this passage. So, we are in Acts eight, but in Acts two, earlier in this book, we have uh, what's called Pentecost, which is Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came down and filled uh, the early church. So we have the early church in Jerusalem. There's all these new believers coming together, worshiping together, living together, experiencing God together in a very tight knit group, uh, and things were great for a while. But then earlier in our chapter, in verse uh, in chapter eight we have the persecution, or actually, really, at the end of chapter 7, we have the beginning of the persecution of the early church. So Stephen, at the end of 7, was preaching, and then he was stoned to death uh, because they thought he was being blasphemous. And the Jews came, and they ravaged the early church. And all these early Christians in Jerusalem were scattered. They all flee because they were all afraid that they were going to get killed because they were Christians. And that kind of leads us to our passage. This is where Philip is leaving, and he's just kind of like wandering about, in a sense, not really knowing what to do uh, when the angel of the Lord calls him. So what I wanted us to think about is, well, I have it up here. Choose your character. Um, So which character in this story do you relate to? So I'm going to go through each of these characters and kind of what they're, kind of situation is, uh, really specifically about scripture and their faith, uh, and how you might be able to relate to them. So the first one we have is Philip, and Philip is somebody who understands scripture and can explain it to others. Philip is somebody who understands scripture and can explain it to others. So I'm a big supporter of the idea that you can only understand something, or you really understand something if you can explain it to others. So I don't know how many times I've had students or somebody I've talked to, I'll be like, oh, like, can you explain how to do this math problem or explain how to work this machine or something? And they'll be like, oh, I know how to do it. I just, I don't know how to explain it to you. Um, and when I hear that, it just makes me think that maybe you don't actually really know how to use it. Um, and when it comes to Christianity uh, and scripture and the gospel, if you cannot explain what Christianity is really about, if you can't explain what the gospel is about, then you might actually not really know it as well as you think you believe uh, as you, well as you think you understand it. And in order for us to believe in something, we must fully understand it. So in a way, for us to believe something, we must understand it. And for us to understand it, we must be able to explain it. And this is what Philip was. He explained what the Christianity was all about to this Ethiopian eunuch because he understood it and he believed it fully. So that's Philip. Next we have the Ethiopian eunuch. Now the Ethiopian eunuch is somebody who doesn't understand scripture, but is somebody who wants to, who has a desire to understand scripture and know God. So he doesn't understand, but he wants to. So when it comes to learning, I believe that you cannot really learn something unless you are properly motivated. If you have no desire, if you have no motivation to learn something, you're not gonna actually learn anything. So, some of that motivation might be self-motivation, so you might just actually have a genuine desire to learn about a certain topic or whatever. For me, again, photography, I just like, you leave me to my own devices, and I will just naturally be wanting to learn that. Uh, Some of it might be kind of goal-driven. So you might be, I don't know, if you're studying, I don't know, Ethan's pre-med. You're still pre-med, right? Okay, so if he's pre-med, but he hates, I don't know, organic chemistry, that's pretty common, right? But it's like you're motivated to study and learn organic chemistry, not because you love organic chemistry, but because you have a goal that you're trying to achieve. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes we have negative motivation, like if I don't study, I'm going to fail, and I'm going to lose a lot of money, or, you know, in work, if you're not going to work really well, if you're not going to stay on top of your field, you might get fired. So that might be a negative motivation. But one way or another, it's important for us to be motivated in some way or form. For me, uh, when I was in college, I realized that I really liked history. Um, so I, I only took two history classes when I was in college. I, I was more in the technical field, so I didn't have to take that many. But I took two classes. One, these are super random. One was Africana Studies. So it was about like the history of Africa and the African people. Uh, I was like the only... It was me, one Latina girl, and one other Chinese guy. Everybody else was black. Um, but it was a really interesting course, and I learned a lot from it. The other class that I took was... Chinese drama and performing arts. Super random again. So we read and like, listened to a lot of operas and plays from kind of classic Chinese genres. So those are the two history classes, super random again, but I learned a lot from them because I liked history, or I, le- I realized that I liked history, which is indicative that I used to not like it, which put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that. But for me, I learned a lot because I had a desire to learn. And that's what the, eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch had. He had a desire to know God, to understand his word, and therefore he was able to absorb what Philip was sharing with him. So that is our character. Our third character, which you might be confused about because you're like, how many characters are there? This one's a little bit random, but it's the chariot driver. And the chariot driver is somebody who doesn't understand, script- understand Scripture and doesn't care to learn. And understand scripture now if we jump back to our passage you might be like where is this cherry driver it's kind of implied that he's there because uh blah 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 um in verse i think it's 36 yeah as they were going along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said here see here is water what prevents me from being baptized and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water philip and the eunuch and he baptized him So he commanded the chariot to stop. And now the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch was, as the passage says, he was a court official. He was somebody of high stature. So he didn't drive himself. He had a driver. He was actually probably with a whole convoy of people uh, traveling through the desert. And so he commanded this chariot driver to stop because he wanted to be baptized. Which means, and if you've ever seen a chariot, chariots are not really that big. It's not like uh like a carriage where it's like this huge thing uh or something like that. But it's, you know, I'm probably standing here and the carriage driver is like here, right? So if Philip is talking to this Ethiopian eunuch, the driver is probably right there the whole time, which meant that he heard and listened to all this, but he did not respond to it as far as we know from the passage. And that is something that we can at least sort of defer, or infer from the passage. I'm kind of going a little bit, I'm taking some liberty to this, but um, yeah, I think it's important for us to see this, because I think that this is actually a situation that some of us might be finding ourselves in today. Um chair driver didn't even try to pretend like he was interested, like, oh, this, you know, my boss is really interested in this, let me brown-nose him, and uh, pretend like I really am interested too. Um, that being said there might be some things that were actually preventing him from actually engaging one the uh, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip might have been speaking in a language that the driver didn't know uh, Another aspect of it is some of the hierarchical and social structure Where the chariot driver might not have been able to at least socially speaking? Talk to or engage in conversation with the eunuch or Philip. We don't really know I mean, we barely know that there's a cherry driver at all. But these are some of the things to take into consideration. But one of these three characters is somebody that you probably, in some way or form, can relate to. Philip, somebody who understands Scripture and can explain it. The Ethiopian eunuch, somebody who understands Scripture, uh, doesn't understand Scripture but has a desire to understand it and know who God is. And then there's a the cherry driver, somebody who doesn't understand Scripture or who God is, it doesn't have a desire to or cares about building a relationship or knowing what Scripture is about. So, what do we do with that? Well, God is calling each one of these characters to something, even the chariot driver. And we're going to go backwards here. So, I'm going to start with the chariot driver and talk about how God is calling that chariot driver. So, the char- for the chariot driver, he is somebody where it's not his time to hear and respond to the gospel. It's not his time and, uh, to hear and respond to the gospel. Now, a lot of times we might look at this situation and we'd be like, why didn't Philip preach to the chariot driver and maybe everybody else that the eunuch was with? Is it Philip's fault that he didn't come to Christ? Was it Whose fault was it, right? We're always like trying to point fingers. But the reality is that God has a perfect timing and a perfect uh, plan for each of us, right? So, for this chariot driver, we don't know, I mean, we literally have basically no idea who he was, and we have no idea what lies ahead in his future. We don't know if God actually reveals the gospel to him. Uh, Maybe just in a few minutes, maybe the Ethiopian eunuch turned around after Philip disappeared and was like, hey, chariot driver, I just learned about this thing, I got baptized, do you want to know about it too? And the chariot driver was like, yes, I've been waiting for you to ask. I mean, that's like total speculation. But, uh, you know, that is a possibility that can happen. And it's not right for us to think that it's our responsibility to change people's hearts because it's God who is the one that changes people's hearts. When we go out to evangelize, when we share the gospel with our family and friends, a lot of times we might face rejection or even just the fear of rejection stops us from going out and sharing the gospel with others. But the reality is that you have no idea how God is going to use those conversations. He might, you might never have somebody really respond to you well, but maybe a few of those conversations somebody thinks about years later, and they're like, yeah, I remember that conversation. It got me thinking about faith and my eternal salvation. So you don't know how God is going to move in people's hearts, and we have to trust that God has a plan and a good timing that's maybe different from ours. So that's the chariot driver. Somebody who it's not their time to hear and respond to the gospel. For the Ethiopian eunuch, he was somebody who was ready to hear and respond to the gospel. And the interesting thing is, God was working in this Ethiopian eunuch's heart well before Philip even came into the picture. We read here that the Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, and he was returning. So he already went to Jerusalem to worship, and he was coming back, and he's reading scripture, and he has no idea what's going on. Now, for me, I'm like, that is a great picture of somebody who has a great desire to learn about God, because he went to the temple, he went to worship, and from what we can kind of tell, it seems like he kind of didn't really know what was going on, but he was still willing to worship God, a God he didn't really understand or know. And he had this, we don't know how much of scripture he had. He might have had the, old, the whole Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible at the time. He might have only had uh, Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah, or even just like that one passage from Isaiah. That might have been all he had, but he clung on to that and he tried to study it and understand it. And he valued God's word. Now, when I say that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was ready to hear and respond to the gospel, responding to the gospel, part of it is understanding the gospel and responding to it in a way where you're actually following, wanting to believe, and follow Christ. But responding to the gospel is far more than that, because in some way we are all called to. Um, we are all called to continue to share the gospel with those around us. So the Ethiopian eunuch, um, so just a little bit of context, Ethiopian, when people are referred to as Ethiopians in the time the Bible was written, or the New Testament was written, uh, it was kind of a catch-all phrase for African people, black people. And uh, so maybe not necessarily, which is not very PC by today's standards, But that's kind of just what the culture was like back then. Um, So there is a possibility that this Ethiopian eunuch wasn't necessarily from Ethiopia specifically, but we know that regardless, he was a person of power, a position of influence. So that being said, he had a lot of influence over the cherry driver, over a lot of different people. He was in charge of all the treasures of the queen. If he was from Ethiopia, many actually theorize that he might have been kind of the trailblazer for evangelizing in Ethiopia. Because Ethiopia, if you don't know this, was one of the first countries, first nations, to actually adopt Christianity as a nation. Like it became a Christian country in the 4th century. Um, It was just a few, I think about 100 years before the first... Ever Christian country, which was uh, Armenia, if you didn't know that, uh, became Christian, and uh, the king of Ethiopia, King Zena, became Christian himself in the fourth century. So this is really just a few hundred years after Jesus's time, which is pretty early in all in all honesty. And a lot of people think, and they have this theory, that this Ethiopian eunuch became a Christian and brought it back to his land, and co- essentially converted an entire country to follow Jesus. Now, we don't have any idea how each of us is going to impact the world, but that is part of our response to the gospel, having faith that God has a plan for us to be able to influence those around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, maybe even entire communities and countries. We just have to have faith that God is going to use the gospel in amazing ways. So, again, we have the chariot driver, who was somebody who was not, it wasn't his time to hear and respond to the gospel. And we have the Ethiopian eunuch, who was ready to hear and respond to the gospel. And then we have Philip, somebody who was ready to share the gospel. Now, Philip, again, similar to the Ethiopian eunuch, had great faith. Because if we read here in the beginning, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now, if you've ever been hiking or in the desert or something, the last thing you want to do is go into the middle of nowhere with no plan. right? So, but that's exactly what Philip does. The angel tells him, go to this middle of nowhere place and just wait. He doesn't tell him what's going to happen. He doesn't give him, uh, doesn't give him any further instructions until he gets there. But he does it willingly. Then, uh, yeah, and then he says, when he gets to this desert place, he sees the Ethiopian eunuch, and then it says, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him. And this is important because Philip was eager to tell others about Jesus. Jesus. Philip literally ran to this Ethiopian eunuch. And there's this theory that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, because it's a desert place, he was actually probably still on the move. And there's there's this idea that when Philip ran, it wasn't he just ran too, but he was actually running alongside this chariot as it's still moving. So for some reason, whenever I thought about this story, I always thought about... um, uh, Philip walking up to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the chariot's just sitting there, and he's waiting, and, um, yeah, and he just walks up and starts talking to him. But then it totally changes when you think about um, Philip running alongside, talking for who knows how long, and he's like, hey, are you reading Isaiah? And he's like, yeah, I don't know what it's about. And he's like, oh, let me tell you about him. And they're just, you know, he's just running along. So maybe he jumped onto the chariot, who knows? But he... Regardless what the actual situation was, he was eager to tell the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus. Now, it's our responsibility as Christians to continue to share the gospel with others as others have shared with us. And in order for us, as I mentioned before, in order for us to share and explain what the gospel is about, we need to fully understand it ourselves. And I think another aspect of Philip that... uh, part of his calling is for him to understand that God is actually the main character of the story. If we look at this story, Philip does actually very little in this story. Philip goes to this place and just kind of randomly talks to this guy and baptizes him. God is working in the background the entire time. God is the one who calls Philip. God is the one who moves the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's the one that directs them. He even leads them to the water to be baptized. And afterwards, God is the one who sweeps Philip up away and continues his ministry to evangelize to others. So God is the main character of the story. And in a similar way, God is the main character of each of our stories, even today. Because God is calling us in similar ways that he has called Philip and all his apostles, and all of his followers for all the time to be able to grow in our relationship with him and share with others the good news of the Bible and the gospel. And I think when we think about the Bible, a lot of us who you know kind of grew up at church, we think of the Bible as this giant book of random other little books, and it's just all these random stories. But if we understand the gospel, the gospel is the narrative of scripture. It is one cohesive story compiled together to tell the story really about God. It's a story of God. And when we, going back to our passions, again for me, photography, for you, whatever it is, it's something that you feel, there's never ever a point where you're like, I'm good. I've learned everything and now I'm done learning. For me, if, if it's something that I'm passionate about, I'm constantly wanting to learn what's new, what's going to happen, and how it's, uh, how it's something new to me, right? And that's the beauty of Scripture, is you can read the same passage over and over, uh, and then a year later, you can read the same passage, and it might hit you in a very different way. Or even if it hits you in the exact same way, it still can speak to your heart. And it's like food, uh, in Matthew four, it literally says, Jesus says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." It's something that we need to continually consume: is the Word of God. It's like literally food, because if we think about food, there's never a point where we have eaten enough food that we're we're good. It's not like you hit 18 years of eating and then you're like, for the rest of your life, you're like, I'm good. I don't need to eat anymore. Even if we are at a point where like, oh, I'm only going to eat once, maybe twice a week. Even if you gorge yourself that one time and then you go a week before you gorge yourself again, that's an incredibly unhealthy way to live. But that is exactly what many of us do when it comes to scripture. We only study it when we come to church, when we go to life group or fellowship or whatever. We think that Hearing the word of God just a few times a week is enough to get us by, but if we think about food, uh, if we think about the word of God as food, we are very malnourished. Well, we have very much malnutritioned, and it's important for us to take our daily bread, for us to consume and take in the word of God every single day as followers of Christ. And, you know, a lot of times we spend much more time in our lives uh, watching Netflix or YouTube videos or playing video games or, you know, name it. There's a million other things for us to be doing and consuming our time with. And in Matthew 6 it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And many of us know that time is money in a way. So where we spend our time, where we invest our time, and our money, that is what we're actually valuing in our lives. So are you valuing scripture in your own life? And for those of us who are uh, not necessarily believers or followers of Christ, if you are a non-believer, I challenge you in understanding what Christianity is about. Because in order for you to under, uh, in order for you to determine whether Christianity is something that you believe or want to follow, again, you need to understand it first. And there is a difference between understanding and agreeing or even believing in something. So um, some people might disagree with this, but even in this church, I've taught Sunday school classes where I actually teach other religions, where I teach about Islam, I teach about Hinduism, because I think it's important for us to understand other belief systems in order for us to actually understand what Christianity is about and be able to solidify and have a more concrete understanding of what Christianity is about, because we've also thought about other beliefs and other, uh, other religions. And only then can you actually really look back and be like, all right, this is actually what I believe, because I understand not just Christianity, but I believe, uh, understand other faiths as well. So the gospel, the story of scripture, is the most important thing that's ever happened in the universe. And I think we take that for granted pretty often. The fact that God loves us, that he created us for something, for a relationship with him, but that we broke that relationship through our sin, but that he provided Jesus Christ to live a perfect life and die a death that he didn't deserve so that we could be forgiven of our sins and through his resurrection that we can be brought life instead of death. The gospel is as simple as that. And that's what we as Christians believe. But I pray that each of us continue to think about the gospel and how that impacts us every single day of our lives. So what do we do about that? How do we actually respond to God's word? The first thing I challenge you to do is to continue to learn about God's word and the gospel. To continue to learn more about God's word and the gospel. And really the biggest thing is really to just spend time in the word and study it deeply. So a few tips for doing that. First of all, we should be praying and seeking God in our studies, and our understanding of scripture. We should have a plan. That's usually a good idea because without a plan, a lot of times our non-existent plans go all over the place. Um, You know, having a time to do it, having a place to do it, which is part of the last one, is routine too. Um, But having some structure can help us actually do what we actually need to do. Uh, And in this case, you know, reading the word. Uh, Another suggestion is read with a friend or a family member. There's a little bit of accountability here. If I were to go up to Ethan or Pastor Paul, be like, hey, let's read through the book of Ephesians, you know, this next month or something. We can, even if we're not talking about it, but we're like, hey, man, did you read? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't. I need to read or whatever. Uh, Or say like, oh, yeah, I did read. What did you think about this passage? And then you can talk about it. That is a great way for us to actually not only study the word, but study the word with others as well. And lastly, have a routine. I think having that structure is good, but having the routine on top of that structure is uh, really an important part. So, having a time and a place regularly where you're every single day digging into the word is really important for us to actually study the word regularly. And then, Secondly, I think that we as Christians need to listen to God's calling and run at the opportunity for us to be able to share the gospel with others. So just like Paul, Paul listened to what God was calling him to do, who he was to share the gospel with. So for us as Christians, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a classmate that God has put in your heart to share the gospel with. And I pray that you respond to that and that you answer God's calling. So, it's important for us to understand where we sit with God, but that we each have a desire to learn more about who God is, because the Bible is a very old it's a very old document, but it's still very much relevant today because the gospel is relevant today because the world needs to know about who Jesus is. And in order for us to understand how to explain that to others, we need to understand Scripture well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, that you've given us the wisdom, the information that we need to know and understand what the gospel is about, that we can know the good news that you came down and died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later to bring us life. You are a good God, Lord. And I pray that each day we be able to remember and value your gospel, what you have done, and that it impacts every action, every thought, every word that comes out of our mouth, Lord. And I pray for those of us who are still trying to figure out if, we be, uh, if they want to be followers of you, Lord. I pray that you allow them to be able to at least understand scripture first, that they can understand what the gospel is and what it means, uh, what we as Christians value and believe and then respond to you in a way that is according to your will. So we pray that we have faith in you, and you alone, Lord. So we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.